The Lord be with you and we're settling in for another hour seeing what the Word of God will do in our lives tonight. Okay, I am looking with you at 1 Chronicles and chapter 4 and those two verses that stand out in that desert of names the name of Jabez and in verse 9 it tells us that he was more honorable than his brothers that is that they, they he left his imprint there was uh, an influence that came through his life to all those around him but the man had started with a terrible beginning his mother uh, and, and I would have to say she was, especially in the context of that day, so abusive. And she named him Pain, Sorrow, a Sorrow Bringer, which in those days would mean that that's who you are, that's your identity, and that's in fact your hideous purpose in life to bring pain and sorrow. But there comes the day when he broke free from the curse of his mother and he realized, he discovered, it dawned on him. Or as I got one email um, that says it was like, duh, I, I, I see it, that the God of Israel is my God. And he who has sworn with covenant oath to bless blesses me and he received that he received the covenant blessing into his life personally in particular and uh, that revelation uh, he it's a little different than the way it reads in our English it's it would be very difficult to translate it but it's that wonder that uh, realization I missed it but now I found it that and the way it would read is if if you're this god if you are the god who loves us who has covenanted joined yourself to us and specifically given your oath to bless us if that's the case then well then uh, enlarge my borders your hand might be with me you would keep me from harm that it may not pain me and in our versions that ends with an exclamation point but in the original language it ends sort of as a cliffhanger it, it, it just ends with, with almost you could say a blank line um, it, what, what it's saying is if you're the God who will do this I, I've realized this now if you are this God to me then and he leaves it open here's my life my life is submitted to this incredible truth my life is a blank sheet for you to write on it your covenant purposes to, and to accomplish that in your power it's it's a yielding a submitting to this god blessing adventure that in my life my home my work my world I shall now see actualized this blessing that is part of your covenant. And we have seen 
that the word blessing, and I'm not going to stay long there because we've spent weeks on this, um, when he says, oh, that you would bless me indeed, but just enough to get the context. The blessing is that good word. Let me emphasize that. When God speaks, it's a good word. There, there are so many among us, tragically, that always think of God as speaking with condemnation, with slight irritation, but the word blessing, I mean, in the dictionary, the word means a good word. It's a word that invades our life with goodness, and it's a good word that God speaks, and it's a word that is speaking fruitfulness. These are the Bible words that you'll find clustered around this word blessing. So think about them for a moment. Fruitfulness, suggesting an abundance of life. When there's life in a tree or a plant, there's fruitfulness. And another word that's always hanging around this word blessing is abundance. And so fruitfulness and abundance of life and other words that are attached, which people do have a problem with, and I trust we're going to clear that up today, but the, the word success and prosperity, but those words, biblically speaking, mean that you, you fulfill your purpose in life. You, you fill your potential as the human being you are in Christ, in your union with God, and these words, all of these words are always, can I emphasize this again, they are always in the Hebrew mind and therefore throughout the Bible, they are always attached to your total person. Now I know I, I'm, I'm cutting deep at some of the uh, what root ideas that we have in the West uh, and those ideas are that there's spirit which is very ethereal um, sort of disconnected to almost reality and, and and we think of it sort of up there somewhere spirit and we think of ourselves as a spirit uh, a sort of a ghost inside of us and, and then we we think in terms of our bodies that's totally separate in the western mind there, there's no connection and so when you go to the doctor, he treats you like a piece of meat hanging in a freezer because he doesn't look at you as a spirit that is expressed in, in mind and emotions and in body and emotions affect the body, spirit affects emotions, uh, all affect the mind and the mind again affects the body and even what the body does affects the mind and so on. We are a total person, and the Bible never sees you as all split up. It doesn't hang your body over here and put your spirit off up there. You're a person, one total person. You are a complete entity, and of course that body that you are expressing your spirit in and through does not live uh, floating in the air. It's got its feet on ground, certain specific ground that you would associate as your ground. 
and, and what you do and what you say and where you go and where you work you leave an imprint in your history and that's you that's your entire person and so when the Bible speaks of you and when it speaks of blessing you and when it speaks of your fruitfulness and your abundance of life and when it speaks of prosperity success it means your core essential person your your spirit which is a lot more material than we we think and, and it affects the way i think totally so it affects the way i feel it affects the very cells of my body it affects my energy level it affects then the way I work it affects my prosperity at all levels of life it affects my success at being a human being and leaving the imprint into history that is mine to leave so that you could say my life that entire that total me from my innermost person to my outermost imprint in work in house and home and food and clothes and in all of that from my walking with God and my understanding the ways of God in in the way that I am moved with compassion the way that I love that I'm gentle that I'm kind and the way that I do my work and all of it is blessed and one phrase it's not too often in scripture but the idea is there where it is enough and to spare that in your walk with God you overflow that is a um, quote from I believe it's Thessalonians where it, where it speaks of this love that is poured out in our heart and it overflows you say, enough and to spare not enough to just sit there and say God loves me and I'm trying to love God no you, you, you have a fullness of love that overflows enough and to spare and to have insights to life wisdom given from God that you have enough to share with those who are searching and seeking and when it comes to possession the covenant blessed person has enough and to spare and, and so they, they are givers even as they have received the gifts of God so they become givers of gifts and it says that in Deuteronomy he's given us power for wealth in order that we might finance the expansion of the covenant okay I'm jumping ahead of myself but I want you to know what blessing is it's this word from God that empowers us from our innermost person to our outermost possessions and, and we become a person that lives the totality of our life in union with God our Father through Jesus the Son in the power and abilities of the Holy Spirit um, that's the real covenant word that I've just talked about but there is the counterfeit maybe you'll understand the real by hearing the counterfeit the counterfeit the exact counterfeit word for blessing is luck and that, I, I could go off on that 
um, luck. It, it, it was a goddess that was worshipped certainly by the Romans and maybe before that under different names. But the Romans worshipped uh, the goddess Fortunus. And Fortunus, of course, came into our language as fortune. Notice it was a goddess which comes into our language as Lady Luck. And so the, um, what, what do you call them, the gambling places, casinos, they become temples. They would have been temples back in those days uh, to Lady Luck, the goddess Fortuna. And, and that, that's the hideous, and I'll say demonic, counterfeit to the blessing of the true God. The blessing is given by his sworn covenant oath. He swears by himself to Abraham, in blessing I will bless you. On the counterfeit side, it is fickle luck. So people say, I, I feel lucky. They fall apart if they don't have their rabbit foot with them or something. And, and, and it's all a, a matter of uh, a whimsical, because you can have bad luck and good luck, and, and, and your success in life is based on lucky breaks. And, and all of that world, let me say very plainly, is counterfeit. That's the sham of what I'm speaking about as the reality which is not fickle for it is based on the God word that cannot lie. Okay, that's what he saw. That to Abraham there was given the promise of the blessing which came down to all within that covenant people Israel. It was pronounced over them every day by the number six a blessing which was tied in with the blessing and now he realizes it's mine it's for me and so he prays in the fashion that I've previously described bless me indeed not just bless me but bless me indeed that is to the fullest measure of the blessing that is to the fullest meaning of abundance. I'm not just asking for just a little. I, no, bless me indeed. I suppose it's the, the spirit of, uh, or the attitude rather, of Elisha. When he said to Elijah that, that he, he wanted double portion, it, it, it means the fullest extent. In the New Testament, it speaks of being filled with the fullness of God. Uh, and, and that's where, of course, this phrase comes to its full bloom in the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is ours in Jesus Christ. Uh, and let me say, as you've heard me say many times in one way or another, a life that has no reference to the Holy Spirit has no comprehension of the beautiful power of God that actualizes all that he says. So when this blessing is received, for the blessing was pressing upon him all his life, but he believed the name his mother gave him and therefore shut the door on the blessing. But now he sees 
and will receive. What does that look like? Or what does the blessing look like? Well, he brings it down to where he lives. That is, how could I put it? It's not one size fits all. The, the, the blessing comes to me where I am. And as we look at how he spoke this blessing, um, it did cover just about everything. Behind it, you see, you have that blessing of Numbers chapter 6 that we spent some weeks on, where if you remember that blessing that was given to all the people of God every day, it, it, it says you'll be blessed and you'll be kept. And it says he will cause his face to shine upon you, which is a description of the smile of God that's wider than the sun, the smile of God. And it's his cause, which means deliberately looking at you with a smile of delight, that, that you bring him delight. And it goes on to say, and be gracious to you. That is, you will be gifted out of that love. And then it says he will uh, lift up his countenance upon you, which is, if you remember, when the eye of a friend catches the eye of their friend, and it may be across the room, it may be in a crowd, but when eye meets eye, there's that energy of, I know you, you're my friend, you're one with me, and, and no words are spoken, but you know that in a crowd, your friend has seen you and a message of love and affection has passed between you um, and so wherever you are that blessing is saying whatever you're doing the eye of God's friendship the eye of his affection he is with you and then it says and place you into peace into shalom which means deliverance, it means salvation, as well as tranquility and, and peace in the midst of chaos. That, that was the general blessing. Well, he takes that into his life. And, and the first thing that he said was that you would enlarge my coast or my borders or my boundaries. And then he says that your hand might be with me. And then he said, uh, finally, which really sums it up, um, that you would keep me from harm that it might not pain me. Okay, enlarge my borders. Enlarge. This is a word that crops up all through the Old Testament and, of course, spills over into the New Testament in a greater fullness. Remember, always remember, these Old Testament words and stories, they are seeds, they are bulbs planted in the fall. And in Jesus Christ, the whole garden bursts into bloom and, and, and flowers are, uh, come from these seeds and these bulbs. And, and so we're always remembering that as we deal with these words, we're thinking of how they finally were fulfilled in Jesus. But this word enlarge, what does it mean? It means uh, different words, but they all sort of say the same thing. Enlarge, it means, I mean, when I say it means, it's been translated in the Old Testament as become great. That, that is, you're not squeezed in, you're not a withered person. 
You're not a prune of a person. You, you have expanded to your fullest potential as a human being, become great. Um, it means many or numerous. You, you, your, your influence and your presence in the world reproduces itself. But maybe the most popular translation of this is to multiply. It's interesting um, when, when you're dealing with these sort of words in, in the scripture, God never uses the word addition. It's always multiply. And if you get a concordance and look the word multiply in Scripture, you will see how many times it's there. And remember, it is this word that we're looking at, only it's translated as multiply, um, which again gives the idea of expansion. Two times two is four, but four times four is 16 and so on. It's a multiplication. And so the word means to increase and also it's translated maybe bring it out its fullest meaning to increase greatly or increase exceedingly enlarge now put that word on hold for a minute because this word enlarge this expansiveness this breaking through all barriers and uh, getting outside of the little box that your ancestors passed on to you and called it life uh, and, and exceedingly and, and great and leaving your imprint. That was hardly what you could say of Jabez in, in the time that he spent from birth till whenever this happened to him. No, his life, though the word is not used here, let me tell you that, but is used many times else in the scripture and it described Jabez to a T. The word that is used elsewhere to describe a life like Jabez is the word distress. Now I'm sure if you've read the Psalms especially you, you've come across that word. In my distress I called upon the Lord and so on. Um, distress um, and in English, it's, this is just an aside, but did you know that the word dis, D-I-S, uh, is a, you look at it in Webster's Dictionary, the word dis uh, actually speaks of, of God of the underworld. Dis is an old world word for Satan, a and you put dis in front of words to mean that, that uh, something bad has taken place. And, and, and so you could say that it's a word that's come into our English language to describe how Satan comes and breaks up all the positive parts of life. And, and there is a stress that is a good stress, but distress has got darkness all around it and upholding it distress and and that word distress in the Hebrew language remember they thought in pictures and therefore their definitions are very picturesque the word distress in the Hebrew language means narrowness this is almost a, a kind of a fun word to to see what it means it, it means you're in a canyon 
and, and here are the walls of the canyon and, and they're getting closer and closer until your shoulders are touching so the word also is translated tightness uh, life uh, you're getting it aren't you life is pressing in uh, it's also translated as a narrow space which is not wide enough to turn around actually you might remember the story we referred to it not to this part of it but do you remember when Balaam went to curse Israel and, and he, he comes on his donkey and God has told him not to go but he comes and it says to a narrow place where there was no room to turn around and that's when his donkey spoke to him um, but that they came to a narrow place with nowhere to turn around that's the Hebrew word for distress same word only this time it describes actually walking through a very narrow passageway in the rocks uh, distress narrowness tightness narrow space I can't turn I don't know where to turn I'm being sort of drawn into ever-increasing tightness and crushing and so sometimes the word is translated as misery because that's a miserable place to be in life it's also translated pain because it, there's no way out of this the pain is just getting worse and worse it's also translated oppression because these rocks are um, they're, they're overshadowing me or you could say it's that feeling of being hemmed in I can't move I can't get out of here so it's oppression from others it brings the many times the threat of destruction to everything I call life and sometimes it's used to describe a cry of great anguish because of the situation I'm in well, that, that's Jabez if you've been with us for the last uh, two or three weeks you, you will know this was the man who had nowhere to turn he was cursed with his name and he believed in his name and if he believed in his name then he was boxed in to that name he was hemmed in where do you turn this is my life misery pain oppression and and, and his only cry would be of anguish so when he said enlarge your blessing in my life means enlarging it meant going where he had never gone before if if you had spoken to Jabez and asked him what what would it be like if you didn't have this curse of a name he couldn't have answered you that he, he had no point of reference what was it like outside this canyon I, I, I don't know I, I've never been anything but what I am lots of us have been there the blessing meant and hear me because this is so important it meant going where you've never been before enlargement a multiplication <sighs> exceeding great the, the literally the breaking down of the canyon walls and an expanding of what he called the boundaries of life 
It meant living life outside this prison cell that my mother put me in from birth. It meant I have room to move, room to stretch, room. I'm no longer the victim of this little tiny place that I call life. It's freedom from affliction. And that cry of anguish has been turned into a mouth that's filled with laughter and a heart overflowing with gladness and singing. That's the blessing. I mean, really, it is a new birth. And let, I'm not using that as we would use it to describe salvation because I have had many believers who have caught a hold of what I'm seeking to share with you and they've used the term I've been born again again and what they're trying to say is suddenly this whole thing opened up and is suddenly in fact quoting from one of the Psalms it said I have come into a wide space which means suddenly the canyon walls are gone enlarged but now he says enlarge my borders now, this, I hope you've heard me every second of what I've said already tonight. His prayer was for the extension of his borders. Now, that most certainly included physical property. And so you cannot be an honest explainer of this word without saying that's sort of an undeniably part of this that it included his physical property and he is praying that there will be an increase of that physical property an expansion an enlargement of it just hold that but if you've heard what i've said that began in his core person it, it, it was not just the physical because in these words that we're looking at remember you're not just a spirit you're not just a floating mind you're you're not just a chemistry of feelings you're not body hanging in a doctor's office nor are you property and all that goes with it you are you and that includes all of that you are the land you walk on you are the lounge you sit in you are the bedroom you sleep in you are the work you do and the paycheck you have you are that you're not all split up and so when he says enlarge my borders it includes your outermost you, your property, but it begins in his spirit person, the core person that he is. And he sees that through the blessing of God, he, in his essential person, is being drawn forward in, in the momentum uh, of the energy, the power of the blessing into a new kind of prosperity of spirit, a new kind of success in thinking life instead of death, a, a, a new, what shall I say, divine emotions 
of joy and peace. And he would become enlarged. He would become enlarged. But that would enlarge the total person. And it would enlarge, as we shall see in a moment, even where he lived and the property he owned. And of course, to a Hebrew person, the property he owned was his work and was the measure of his finances because they were agricultural people and uh, and so everything revolved around the land. And so he is saying, from my innermost self to my outermost possessions, enlarge my borders, multiply, increase exceedingly. And I, I, I don't know how many of you I'm really speaking to on this, but I, I know some of you, God bless you. I was raised with these people, so I can totally feel where you're coming from, that some people feel very awkward with that. Um, part of the inheritance that we got from the lowest point in church history back there beginning somewhere in the ninth century on right through the middle ages there was a total i believe demonic distortion of the truth that to become a believer meant to become poor and dressed um, to express your poverty and if you really wanted to be spiritual then you would be sick probably die early and certainly go through whatever life you had looking very sick there was something very spiritual about that in those wicked dark years centuries and and, and also that there was this false humility I was you see it, it's it's caricatured. Charles Dickens in his novels has a... But, but it's the idea of someone that's holding their hands, I'm not worthy, you see, I'm just a little poor me, and, and I just give my little bit, and and I, I feel like slapping them around the head, because it, it is such a degradation of the beautiful human being and the magnificent God who created you when you act like that and so when you say this to to such a person that that he he's asking for expansion and abundance and fruitfulness exceeding greatness in terms of what he does and wherever his hands go and where his voice goes he's leaving an imprint of covenant god love somehow to those people that doesn't sound good uh, they, they they feel that the the dev they smell the devil there that we're talking pride and and, and we're, we're what was that word I said before enough and to spare dear Lord you said I'm just I, I'm I'm satisfied just enough for me and my family yes you're one of those parasites that, that just if enough for you and your family you never thought of having enough and enough to give away and bless the ministry of God's word and bring people to know the truth of the life and love of God. No, it's just for me and my family. No, blessing means I have an expanded heart. My, my heart overflows to others. You see what I'm saying? 
Everything that comes from God is in abundance. Have you noticed that? When he created in Genesis 1, uh, he filled the air with birds. Not just a sparrow trying to get this bird thing going. He filled the sky. He filled the sea with fishes. Filled the land with animals. And then he blessed them. Not in the same way as he blesses us, but blessed them. That is to be successful in what they did. And what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. Oh, an abundance. And then when he put mankind in the Garden of Eden, what did he do? He filled it with trees laden with fruit. And it says, of every tree in the garden you may eat. No, he didn't say you just got one tree over here and if you're a very spiritual person you won't eat it because you want to hurt yourself and pain yourself to impress me. No, no, no. He said go and gorge yourself on every tree in the garden, you see. And I don't know if you noticed it, but he said there was gold and precious stones in the garden and that didn't mean it was deep in the rock to be mined. Adam wasn't there long enough to know that. No, it was plain view. It was gold. It was precious stones. I know that's offensive to some people because when man walked with God, he wasn't interested in those things. But, but anyway, um, that's what the scripture says. And, and whenever it comes to the word blessing, as I've said, it uses the terms multiply, fruitfulness, life, abundance. And when Jesus walked among us, and he is the exegesis of God, he is the one who explains God to us. What did he do? When he fed the multitude, which interested him, he was real bread and real fish that filled real stomachs. So before you get to Jesus being the bread of life, understand he was giving bread to their bodies. But there was 12 baskets left over. I mean, does that ever do anything to you? Twelve baskets left over. I mean, he, he was in charge of the miracle. He, he could have made exactly enough. I mean, my grandmother would have had a fit if there was twelve baskets left over. She was always concerned about starving people in India. But Jesus, you say that's wasteful. Huh. Do you remember when the woman poured the expensive oil over his feet? It was Judas who said, that's a waste. No, Jesus said, this woman will be remembered forever, you see. It's an abundance. It's uh, My friends in Africa in their pidgin English say, plenty too much. It spills over into the saucer. And when he said uh, of you and I in this new covenant life, he said, out of you shall flow rivers of living water. Notice the plural. Be enough if the Mississippi of power flowed out of us. But he said, rivers, plural. And then he says, my joy I give to you. My peace I give to you. Divine peace inside creature persons. So it says it's a peace that is beyond human comprehension. There you have it. Down with the walls is beyond human comprehension. And you want to understand this life? He said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. The human mind has never conceived what God has laid up for those who love him. But he's revealed it to us by his spirit. 
you you want you want a little piece of the spirit no the the new testament says that you should be filled with all the fullness of god that you might know the love of christ which passes all human understanding and knowledge you see and it says the love of god is poured out in your heart well these expressions they all echo these old testament blessing words not a trickle not just a cup poured out gush and then he goes on to say and that your love which has been poured out might abound increase and abound to all men and then he says my desire for you is that you prosper and are in good health even as your soul prospers yeah that was the prayer of john for his friend and whenever it speaks uh, of what we're receiving from the Lord, it speaks in exceeding terms, like the riches of his glory, the riches of his grace. That word riches in, in the Greek it is um, speaking, well, a very crude translation would be filthy rich. It, it means riches really when it ceases to mean anything you've got so much and, and he says what he would give into you are the the true wealth the true riches that expand through your whole person and speaking of our everyday needs he's speaking to the philippians in chapter four and he's speaking about daily needs and he says that my God shall supply all your needs. And I must emphasize that word is talking about your shopping list. It's talking about stuff that you need in order to live. And it says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. That word I just defined. In Christ Jesus. That's interesting. So he's saying that this is not only dealing with the love of God shed abroad in my heart, it's the love of God poured out to me in, in riches that are beyond counting that will deal with my daily needs. Um, the, the, what can I say? Um, when, we, when we catch the vision of the love of God's desire for our total person, the only word then is abundance and enlarging these boundaries that we put up the, the this is our expectancy this is what we that's what life is for me you see that's my boundary as well the blessing of god kicks over your bound topples all the boundaries and says you're going to discover my power in areas of your life that you have never dreamed i was even interested in um, and so the Israelite, and I mean Jabez was one such, um, they saw, and you'll, you'll recognize this, they saw the Lord as their inheritance. God himself was their inheritance. In covenant he'd given his very self to them. So he called them, you are my people. Mine. We, we, we're joined. He spoke of them as uh, like a married couple is joined. And they spoke of their God as our God or my God. He called them in Exodus 19, my special treasure. 
they're, they're inherent. Now, this is the beginnings of true wealth. True wealth is, it begins by knowing that I am in working, functioning, covenant union with the Lord. But also, it referred to the piece of land that was theirs. The book of Joshua, uh, at the end of the book, there's pages that people never read, and really, I don't blame you, um, because it just gives all the pieces of land that were given to the families of each tribe. But, but that's interesting in that real estate in Israel took on a whole new take. Uh, you couldn't buy and sell land as we do here because your land, whatever was given to you, the boundaries are marked off, that's your land. It was given by God. It's a fascinating story. It's as if God came to the Smith clan and said, I'm giving you this piece of land. Well, that's mine. I didn't buy it. It was given to us by God. And it would be passed on to my children. I could sort of sell it if I'm in debt, but uh, every 50 years, the person I sold it to had to give it back to me because it, it was my land. And it was mine because God gave it. And so the land was the inheritance. And as I said, on that land, I'd have my cattle, I'd grow my vegetables and my wheat and my barley. And that's where the money came and that's where my, my life was. That was part of me. And, and so it was always, wherever you come on the blessing, it always refers somehow to the land because that was their work. That was their financial intake. But that inheritance must be taken. God gave it to them. But they were commanded, now, you know this is what God has given you, now go and mark your borders. And they would, actually, they had to tread it out. And that word in the Hebrew means, if necessary, tread your enemies underfoot. You, you, people are going to say, that's my land. And you say, no, it isn't. I have this by divine right. God gave it to me. And, and I must take my land. I must tread its borders and defend it from any who would try to steal it from me. Well, Jabez, his life has been governed by shame. You, you, you've, if you've been with us, you know that. And so either he has failed to take his land, he's content in his shame to live in a little shack on a few square feet of the property and the rest, uh, he never took it because, watcher, it's not for the likes of me. Such prosperity that this land would give him, well, you know, I'm just content with where I am. I'm the man who is pained and I bring pain. Or maybe if he'd have taken it or some of it, he'd lost it through debt and it wasn't year of jubilee yet. So whatever. His, his sense of who he is is reflected in the land. The, the pain that he believes he brings to life 
well, what's the use? There's no future. I'm going nowhere. And, and, and so he's lazy and it all reflects a lazy person. There's something got to happen inside of them before their body begins to act. And this man, for whatever reason, has not taken his land. His borders are a miserable smallness, like the walls of the canyon, compared with what really belongs to him. And, of course, you can take that and understand the total person, that the inner spirit man, who I am, and, and my own person to person, me speaking to you, I, I still, I still, as I read the scripture and recognize there's, there's so much that is given to us in Christ, so much the Holy Spirit says is yours, and we don't take it uh, for whatever reason. Much of it is the same reason as Jabez, where we, we live in shame, we live in a sense of being unworthy and no good, and it's not for the likes of us, and it's all for other people to do that. And, and so when I say to a regular believer, lay hands on the sick and watch what God will do, they look in horror as if that's not for the legs of me. Well, that's not. The Bible says these signs shall follow those who believe. You see, that's part of your inheritance. It's part of the borders that came to you in Christ. And when I say that you can indeed must forgive Forgive all your enemies, release them all into the hands of Jesus. And people say, that's asking a bit much. No, I'm just reminding you, these are the borders. This is the world you've now come into. Blessing. And when I speak of a life of giving, people look uneasy. But that's the world in which we've come. You see, there's much here. Have you ever gotten beyond those miserable borders that, that came with your birth, uh, borders to your thinking, borders to your feelings. Have you ever <laughs> known the joy of the Lord, ever walked in the peace of God? Have you ever gone into your place of work to recognize this is the place of his blessing, that in my work that my, my physical, my material, my financial life is to be blessed. No, that our possessions, this which God has given us, from the innermost to the outermost, must be, must be enlarged. And you see, there, it's an amazing thing, really, considering this, this chap, where he's come from, that he would realize, obviously from from that inner man, this is mine. The blessing is mine. I am blessed. I am blessed now. I am now in the posture to receive at all levels of my existence enough and to spare to become a person of influence in my world, which of course may be a very small world. Please never, never think of this word glory and honor um, as a sort of divine American idol. Um, this generation is sick to the core 
that, that it thinks of honor and fame as the meaning of life. As long as enough people are looking at me, as long as enough people are talking about me, I must have some worth. No. I, I mean, just in your world, however big that is, that you there leave an imprint of the love of God. You leave the imprint of the Holy Spirit there. Um, enlarge my borders. That, that, was, that was it, you see. Um, but tragically, we, the flesh, gravitates to a comfort zone. Even though that comfort zone is a very narrow and painful place. But it's all we know, you see. We've never known anything else. And so what lies beyond the canyon, is, we don't know that. So we, we settle for it. This is our life. Um, you've got to enlarge. Oh, Spirit of God, enlarge us. Enlarge the narrowness of our worldview that's based on this false God, small g God, who's disinterested in our total life. He's only interested in heaven and hell. No, this God gives us now life and life more abundant, you see. Um, the, the flesh, your flesh, my flesh, does not see the true God is the one who created us to enjoy life, be prosperous in the totality of life, having enough and to spare. Because the flesh deeply believes, and I can't say that strong enough, it's very deep. It believes we're unworthy to receive God's blessing. It's not for the likes of me. Uh, a full and abundant life is perceived as to be for others who are more worthy. And there's a, there's a self-hate there, a self-despising. It's, it's for others, it's not for me. It's, it's a subtle flesh mindset of, I'm a victim. I didn't have it as good as them. I envy others, though I never admit it. And I'm angry at others that they have what I don't have because we're in our narrow canyon and we do not open up to the God who wills to bless us, who has blessed us in Christ and awaits to come into the totality of our life by his Holy Spirit. I know some people who, who they, they are literally in prison houses. <laughs> I mean their life by the the words of their mouth and by the thoughts of their heart their life is as narrow as a hen's face and and i i say it's your choice choice to believe god believe this god of love believe that he came to us in jesus believe the blood of the everlasting covenant believe the holy spirit is within you walk out of your prison house smash down the walls in your cry of delight enlarge my borders walk into the abundance of peace the abundance of joy without that inner knowing of enlargement without knowing in my inmost self that I am the beloved of God 
that he has bestowed worth on me. In fact, I share, I participate in the worth of Jesus to receive all blessings. Unless I know that, the enlarging of outer possessions is a very, very dangerous thing, actually deadly thing. Because if my possessions are enlarged, but my heart is still one of flesh, then I'll believe inevitably that it's my possessions that are my wealth. And will believe that they, my possessions, are the source of peace and joy and meaning and purpose. And that only leads to greed, because I can never have enough, you see, and that leads to pride that I did this, which produces an enlargement of the emptiness of my heart and sorrow. Sadly, that's true. It produces anxiety and fear. It's amazing. The people with the possessions, but a heart that isn't enlarged, then uh, they're filled with anxiety, filled with fear, um, and, and they, they seem to get emptier with the more possessions they get and their sorrow becomes exceeding it's amazing no this uh, let me say enlarger borders is the enlargement of the borders of my very person extending to all of life true wealth true prosperity begins in the heart of my core spirit human where I see and know I'm included into Christ to become an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And that gives me a totally new outlook on life. And, and, and because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart, it's not to grasp and greed and tread on others, but to have enough and to spare, to become one who furthers the work of God. So... I am going to stop there. I'm actually over time. But look, please do not take what I'm saying as just interesting information. Please put this into action. Do it before we meet again next week. And next week I am going to answer a letter that I got from South Africa which was asking questions concerning this last part of the blessing. You keep me from harm, may not pain me. Very interesting questions, and I believe it probably reflects many people's questions. And so we shall finish this blessing of Jabez next week. But please put this into practice. And now the blessing of God who is love the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you, be in you, and this blessing enlarge your inner person, enlarge your mind to think the thoughts of God, enlarge your emotions to know the peace and the joy and the gladness of God himself bless you in your body, be healed, bless you in all you put your hand to do, 
bless your total life. So I bless you, and so it is. Amen.